How about having an extra hour of sleep? Yes! I declare from this day forward, every Sunday is Daylight Saving Sunday. We'll see how that works. Now, if you're a parent and you have little kids, you know that this, this day doesn't matter at all, in fact, because your kids don't follow daylight savings, do they? No, they don't. My children woke up at 5 a.m. this morning, and I said, what in the world? We're supposed to, like, have an extra hour, and they have no clue of this wonderful holiday that we get to experience. They have no clue whatsoever. But we love daylight savings, or at least this one. We, we grumble about the later one. But this one, we get to fall back, and we have the appearance, the feeling of, of gaining another hour. Oh, and it is. Let's just bask in that for a moment. We had the opportunity. Now, whether you made the most of it or not, that's between you. But, but we had the opportunity to have a whole nother hour, and it feels great, doesn't it? But in reality, we know that's not the case. We know in reality we're not given another hour. Uh, it just feels that way. But, but what we tend to do is we, we wish that that was the case throughout our week, don't we? That every day, man, if I just had a little bit more time, and, and every day we wish, man, if I just had a couple more hours, then I could maybe get everything done. But we know that we're obviously not given more time. Now, for those of you that have not been here before, if you're a first-time guest, you, you don't know this is different. But for the rest of you, you see something a little different today, don't you? <laughs> Apparently, I preach too long. So they now do that. No, I'm just kidding. Here's, here's what we're doing with this, right? It's, it's I've got a set amount of time that, that I have and you have given me every single Sunday morning. And we've got, we've got to decide whether that is a good use of that time or not, right? I have 27 minutes. You're going to have to listen really, really fast this morning because I promise I have a lot more than 27 minutes to say. But that's going to hit zero at some point and I have to be done by then. And if you think through your day, you kind of live on the same kind of clock where you wake up and you don't have a clock that you're looking at, a countdown that you see, but that countdown begins the moment you wake up and your day has now begun. And that countdown clock keeps going and you go throughout your day and at the end of the day, that clock's going to hit zero. It's time for bed. The day is over. And you stay awake just for a few moments in bed thinking, what did I actually do today? Like you go back, you know this, you've experienced this, you go back throughout your day and you're like, I did a lot. I think I did a lot. I'm tired at least, but I don't know exactly what I accomplished, what I really got done. But the clock's at zero, so there's nothing else you can really do about it, is there? When that clock hits zero, the day is done, and you're left thinking, I still have a lot to do. <laughs> and that's where we find ourselves. We find ourselves in this tension of, I wish I had more time because I don't have enough time in the day. And the other side of it is my personal own physical limits of, I can't do anymore. So if I can't add any more time in the day, and I can't do anything else, or any, if I can't add any more to me personally, we live in this tension between the two. And it's that gap, it's where we live in that gap of, I can't add more time, but I also can't do more, but there's still a lot to do. In that space in between is where stress and anxiety and worry live. The feelings of being overwhelmed live in that space of, I, I wish I had more time, but I can't have more time. I wish I could do more, but I can't do more. Yet a lot still has to happen. A lot still has to get done. There's still a lot that's on me. And the pressure's on every day, isn't it? I mean, I'm telling you, the, the pressure to finish what I'm going to say in 25 minutes and 52, 51, 50 seconds, there's pressure there. There's stress there. In fact, there's some of you that are not going to hear a thing I say because you're just going to be watching that countdown the entire time. 
You're like, I don't know how he's going to do it. Is he going to do it? What happens if it hits zero? I mean, there's stress associated with countdowns. There's worry and anxiety along with those countdowns. Now, again, like I said, we don't have those countdowns that are in front of us every day. But what if there was? How would we go throughout our day? I wish I had more time. I wish I could do more, but I can't. That's what we want to look at this morning. Where do we, where do we go? How do we navigate that space of I wish I had more time, but I can't add more time. I wish I could do more, but I can't add more. How do we wrestle and navigate through that space? Because if you're not aware of this already, we're in holiday season mode. And this is the perfect time to figure that out before it's too late. Some of you are already feeling it, aren't you? Already making those plans and starting to figure out how are we going to get all of this done when I only have this much time and I can only physically do this much. If you have your Bibles, head over to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, we're going to see a great example of how to begin to live and work through that tension of, I wish I had more time and I wish I could do more, but I can't do either of those. So how we walk through this, we're going to learn a lot from the early church leaders. Let me give you a little background of what's happening here in Acts 6. Acts, the, the book of Acts, is historical documentation of the early church. So Jesus was crucified, he then raised to life, he then visited with some of his followers for a little bit and then ascended up into heaven, leaving the early church leaders, the disciples, the 11, then they added one to replace Judas, so the 12 disciples to then move the church forward, to lead the church. And from that moment of Jesus' ascension into heaven and where we pick up here in Acts 6, a lot has happened in a very short amount of time. In fact, this group of followers has then grown exponentially. It's not just a couple hundred people who, who claim to follow Jesus. We're now talking thousands of people claiming to follow Jesus. This small little church has now exploded into this rapidly growing, growing church. And the disciples, these early church leaders, are struggling with the same struggles we feel. I wish I had more time. I wish I could do more. There's still a lot to do. I can't do it all because I don't have the time and I physically can't take on any more to do, so what am I to do? How do I live in that space? Here's what we see. Here's the story that begins to unfold. Acts chapter 6, it sets the scene. It says, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing. Again, the church was blowing up. And these early church leaders weren't sure what to do with it. Here's what began to happen. It says, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked. I want you to circle or underline overlooked. They're being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Now, pause there for a second. Let's understand what's happening. As the church was growing at an unbelievably rapid rate, these early church leaders, what they used to do is not working anymore. The, the hours in the day used to be enough. Now it's not enough anymore. They could not keep up. And people, we're not talking things, people began to be neglected. We talked about all this last month. That we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, but also love our neighbor as ourselves. So this was not something that was an okay thing to neglect or to overlook. These are people, people's needs that are being neglected. So as something grows, problems begin to bubble up. And these are good problems to have. It means things are growing, but the disciples are trying to figure out, what do we do with this, though? I can't do any more, and we don't have enough time, but... We can't neglect these widows that need to be taken care of and looked after and provided food for. So how do we make this work? See, the first question we have to ask in this space of not enough time and I can't do more is, should we actually be doing it? Is this a problem we need to solve or do we just let it go? 
And I think you would agree, as the disciples are going to agree, they had to have that discussion, and they decided, no, this is not something that can fall through the cracks. Again, we're talking about caring for people, meeting the needs of people, very basic, real needs. No, that is too important to let go of. Yes, there are some things that we need to just say, you know what, I need to quit that, I need to stop doing that, I need to remove myself from that. But if I were to guess, if I were to sit down with all of you and we were to go through all of your responsibilities and all of your to-do list, most of those things have to get done. Maybe there's a few things that, well, I don't really have time for. Maybe I can back out of those. Let's, I've done that for long enough. I won't be PTO person anymore. But most of the things in our lives, we really would say that's vital. That has to happen. It has to get done. Whether we're talking family, neighborhood community, whether we're talking workplace environments, jobs, other relationships, the responsibilities we have there, most of the things I would guess in our lives are important enough to take care of. So that's what the disciples had to decide. Is this something first worth solving or do we let it go? And of course, they said, no, 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 this is too important. We have to figure out a solution. So what do we do? Here's how they began to fix the problem. Verse 2, so the 12 disciples gathered all of the disciples together and said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit. Now, hang on there for just a second. They said, we know we can't do all of this on our own. We have to help get other people involved. So choose seven men among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. Now, look at what they said here next. Here's what the plan is. We will turn this responsibility over to them, and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So he said, we don't have enough time to do it all. We physically cannot take on any more to do. So let's get other people involved. Let's invite other people. And they said, let's get seven. Let's choose wisely. They need to be full of the spirit, full of wisdom. Let's pick seven other individuals that are not currently involved. Let's give them something to do. And they use these two words here that they were going to hand over responsibility and they were going to adjust their attention. Those are the two words that they're focusing on, two words that I want you to pay attention to. Handing over responsibility to someone else so that they could refocus their attention, or the words here, or so we could give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word. We all have a lot of things that we have to do. And again, we don't have any more time. We don't have any more capacity. So what the disciples did was genius, and a lesson for us today is to look at those things and say, can I hand off some responsibilities to other people? Can I invite other people into my life where, where they can take part of this, where they can own something? It's not just on me anymore. I'm allowing somebody else, I'm giving somebody else an opportunity to take on some responsibility so that my attention can be refocused. Responsibility and attention what responsibility do I need to hand over so that my attention can be refocused? Again, if you looked at everything that you are ultimately responsible for, good things that you should be responsible for, things that do need to get done, how do you decide what you are hands-on with and what you need to be hands-off with? What do you hand over versus what do you give your full attention to? See, I believe there's certain things in our life that you can only do. Only you. And it should not be handed off to anybody else. But you've got to figure those things out. And here's a way to think through it is, is where are you the most effective? Where are you the most influential? Where do you have the most impact? That's where only you need to put your focus and your attention. That's what the disciples were looking for. 
What's something that only we can do? He said, so we should focus, put our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Put most of your energy, most of your effort, put most of your energy on where you will be the most effective. That's what the disciples were trying to decide. Where will we as disciples, as their words were, how do we become more effective? Not that anything else is not important. That's not the argument. All of this is important. That's why we're in this problem, isn't it? When everything's important, but we don't have any more time and we don't have any more capacity, now we find ourselves with a problem. And it's, again, in that gap where we feel the stress, the pressure, the tension, the anxiety and the worry and the feelings of being overwhelmed. So what can you hand off? What responsibilities can you hand off? This is why God invented chores for children, so you can hand off some things, right? We have to be willing to hand certain things off, but some things need your undivided attention. So where will you put most of your energy? Put your energy, put most of your energy where you find yourself to be most effective. That was the discussion, that was the problem, but there's the solution that the disciples began to figure out. What do we need to hand off? What responsibilities can we give away so that we have the time and the capacity to focus our attention on something and the most important things for them? But don't get me wrong, we're talking all of these things are important. They said, nothing, none of these things should be neglected. But maybe it's not me personally that has to take care of all things. So there's your question for you. Where are you putting most of your energy and are you being most effective? What can you hand off? What responsibilities can you hand off so that you can refocus your attention? It's interesting about attention because right now probably most of your attention is, my goodness, 15, you guys are not listening fast enough whatsoever. I need you to listen a little quicker with me. When we think of what we pay attention to, where our attention is, I think most of it would, would be kind of shocked and maybe even surprised on where our attention lies. For example, if, if any of you have ever decided to do like a health kick, go on a health kick for like a week or a month, some of you do a lot longer than that, a week's good for me usually, and in that, in that time frame, what do we do, right? We're very aware, we're very attentive to what we put in our body, and so we count calories, don't we? And it's unbelievably shocking when you go to O'Charlie's and you recognize how much those rolls really cost you for calories. And you recognize, I've wasted my whole week of calories on two rolls. I had no idea. How's that possible? And you're devastated and your life is just ruined. You can never eat at O'Charlie's without thinking that ever, ever, ever again. Right? When we become more aware, when we're paying attention to the numbers, it's pretty shocking. If you have an iPhone... Are you aware that they now have integrated into that system that it will tell you how much time you are spending on your phone? It's unbelievably convicting and horrible. They should do away with it. It even sends you reminders. It tells you, here's how much time you spent on your phone today. And I'm like, did not want to see that. Thank you very much, Siri. It'll give you a weekly average. This last week, you averaged this many hours on your phone. And it even breaks it down. See, we don't notice it because we're not paying attention to it. What if, what if we gave more attention to what we are actually giving attention to? What if we paid attention to where our attention is divided and how it is spent? I think we would be shocked and even surprised at what and who gets so much of our attention. If I can't add any more time in the day and I have no more capacity to add to me personally, what do I do in between? Well, I hand off some responsibilities so that I can refocus my attention. So that's what they do. 
They choose these seven individuals to come alongside them to hand over some responsibilities. Verse 5 says, this proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, not Timon and Pumbaa for all of you parents out there, but a different one. Parmenius and Nicholas from Antioch, a, con a convert from Judaism. They presented them to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Now, there's seven individuals there. Two of those seven we've actually probably heard of. They're somewhat familiar. You might have known of Philip. I mean, he's actually talked about later on in the book of Acts. We've heard of Stephen. In fact, you'll read more of his story if you keep reading through Acts chapter 6. Two out of the seven, which means there's five that we've really never heard of before. Chances are good you've never heard of those other five names. And I'll tell you, if you did an extensive study throughout the rest of the early church and what we get in scriptures, those other five names are nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. So they handed off this important responsibility to seven individuals, seven men. Two of them we learn more about later, but there's another five that we never hear about again. Here's why that's significant. Because most of the time, that tension of in-between, okay, if, if, okay, Brian, if you're telling me that I've got to hand off some things and some responsibilities, well, it better meet my standard and my expectation. And what we've got to do is be willing to lower those standards a little bit to the point where I'm sure these seven men did a good job with the responsibilities that the early church leaders handed them. But it wasn't like they did such a great job that there were books and letters and, and that they were mentioned by name anywhere else in the New Testament letters. So they must have done a good job or this problem would have risen up again. But they didn't hit so many home runs where it's just everything that the Apostle Peter is writing about. And Paul is congratulating them on doing such wonderful jobs of taking care of the widows and meeting needs. In other words, be okay with okay. If you're truly going to hand over some responsibility so you can refocus your own personal attention, then you need to be willing to be okay with okay. And I know just saying that there are some perfectionists in the room that have just cringed at what I asked you to do. He's like, no, 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 Brian, that's not possible. And I said, I understand. No, Brian, I can't do that. I said, that I do believe. As a perfectionist, there's no way, Lord willing, that you would ever change. And so I'm not even going to try to walk down that road. But if we lower our standards and expectations a little bit, can we be okay with okay? Some of you might have heard of this, the rule of 80%. If somebody else can do your job 80% as good as you or better, let them have it. Me personally, I drop it down to about 50%. Man, if you can do what I do even at 50%, I'll let you have at it. For the kids, the kids' jobs, man, if you can do what I do at like 2%, we'll, and I'll just clean up the mess behind you, that's fine, Right? In other words, we have to be okay with okay. Just because we hand over responsibilities doesn't mean that we get to stay involved. We, we have to step back and let them run, run it and own it. If you're truly going to hand over some responsibilities to other people, invite people into your life, allow people to walk alongside you, you have to let them move. And we can't be saying, well, that's not how I would do it. And it doesn't always measure up to your expectations. Be okay with Okay. The other thing that we see here is that they actually had a plan. This was not something that they just got together and said, okay, here's the problem. Uh, none, none of our, our widows are being taken care of. People need food. People need to eat. And we're, we're not doing a good job. So uh, how about let's just show up tomorrow and just we'll, we'll, let's see who's here and we'll figure it out. Right? That's not what they did. They said, no, we need a plan in place moving forward. 
We need to have some kind of a system. We need, we need to have it on paper. And all the engineers in the room are saying, preach, that's right, systems, procedures, planning. We've got to have something in place where it actually has room to work and room to move. Planning ahead allows us to truly hand over responsibilities and truly to refocus our attention. Here's how I know that's true. If you've ever gone on vacation and you waited to pack until the day of, you know the stress and the fights that it causes, the conflict that arises, the problems that bubble up, don't you? Yeah, when, when we wait till the last minute and there's no plan in place and it's just, well, we'll just figure it out, we'll see how it goes, everybody's anxiety is building. The stress level is growing because there's no plan and we forget things. Well, do we remember to put this in the laundry? No, we didn't. We got to do that real quick and we're always on a time crunch and we got to leave. We're supposed to be in the car right now. And we're like, this is supposed to be vacation. We're supposed to be enjoying our time. Not stressed out and acting in a frantic mode. Planning ahead. I'm not saying you have to plan every moment of your day. But do you have a plan in place? Do you have some kind of a plan that allows you to better manage the time that you have? We're all on a countdown. And we cannot add more time to it. We all have our personal limits and we cannot exceed our capabilities so what do we do in the in-between? Put our energy where we are going to be most effective. We have to be okay with okay. Letting other people take ownership and responsibilities in our lives to walk alongside us and to do life with us. We have to allow them to do it in their way. Be okay with okay. Even if it's not how you would do it, if it's not to your standard and your expectation, let them have room to move. But you also have to plan ahead. Those relationships in your life, plan ahead. The weeks and the days and the seasons of your life, plan ahead so that we can begin to actually manage our time a little bit better. Here's what we see next. Here's the results. There is a problem, and again, that problem came from a good place. The church was growing. It's not that there was sin and problems and, and dysfunction in the early church, and here's a problem that bubbled up. No, this problem came to be because of the growth of the church. And as God grows you in your life, problems are going to bubble up. And out of those problems, we say, man, there, there's a lot of good things, and I can't, I can't do everything. I can't neglect them either because they're good things. We need to focus on them, but what am I to do if I can't add time and I can't add more to my plate? The disciples living in that tension said, we need to have help. We need other people to come alongside to hand over responsibility so we can refocus our attention, putting our energy where we're most effective. We're going to be okay with, with okay. It doesn't have to be the way we would do it. We're okay with that. We're going to have a plan in place so they can begin to move forward with it. Here's the result. Verse 7. So the word of God, and what's this word here? The word of God what? It spread. The word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased. And what's that word? Rapidly. A large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Understand, please don't miss this. Because of what the disciples did in that decision-making moment, they allowed for the word of God to spread even more and to allow more people to follow Jesus. It said that they began to follow Jesus. It grew, increased rapidly. You see, we're all our own lid, right? We all have a ceiling. The time that we have, the capabilities that we have, our, uh, our, our personal lives, we have lids. So, of course, we say, I can't do it. Well, yes, you're hitting a lid. You cannot do anymore, right? And, and we, we try and try and try, and it's literally beating our head against the ceiling because we can't do anymore. You shouldn't do anymore. Are you hearing me? 
Stop trying to do more. Invite more people into your life. The moment the disciples invited more people in, the lid blew up. The lid came off, which allowed the word of God to spread even more than when the disciples were holding everything so close. It allowed more people to follow Jesus, more so than what was happening when the disciples were holding everything so close. More happens. More can be accomplished when, when we focus on the right things and we hand off certain responsibilities. In other words, when we do a little bit less but invite more people in, more can actually get accomplished. It's exactly what the disciples discovered as they were walking through it. See, there's a big difference between just surviving and truly living. And think of the disciples early on. Things are growing and people are trying to get fed. I could not fathom how frantic those days and weeks would have been for an early disciple. That's just, we just have to make it another week. <laughs> Let's just make it another day. That's not thriving. That's not living. That's not what Jesus said he came to give us of life to the full, abundant life. And if we were honest, we'd probably say, I'm surviving more than I'm thriving. I'm surviving more than truly living. And the difference there is how we are focusing. Are we just trying to do everything ourselves? Or as the disciples show us, I'm going to hand off some responsibility so I can refocus my attention. And in that moment, the lids come off. It's not just about more things getting done, but it's about us living life, not just surviving life. There's times of survival. I mean, Becky and I, we've said it. Certain weekends are just survival mode. Buckle down. We're just got to make it through this weekend. Let's make it to Monday. But you don't want every day to be that, especially in a season as we're moving into with November, December, with holidays and family and friends. There's a lot to do. We can't do it all because we can't add more time. We physically can't do more. So how do we truly live versus just survive? It's what we've been saying. Put your energy where you're going to have the most impact, the most influence, the most effectiveness. Make sure you're okay with okay. The perfectionist, do your best. <laughs> but then you just plan ahead. Plan ahead. One more thing I want to add to that, and it's the word margin. The word margin. Here's a great definition of margin. Margin is the space between our load and our limits. I love how Richard says that. He says, the, the margin, the, the, the space, the space of margin is between our load and our limits. And we give ourselves some space between. And in life, we naturally have margin, right? I mean, do you guys remember papal and pencil? pencil? You remember that? If you're younger than me, you're going to have to ask your parents, you actually wrote on paper back then? Yes, and if you remember on paper, college-ruled paper even, you would write, and you would not write to the edge of the paper, you would write to the what? To the margin, right? To leave yourself some room, to leave yourself some space. We actually did that. Not everything was on an iPad. You think of the road. We, we have some margin as we drive. You have a shoulder. We don't drive where there's no room for error, where if you cross the white line, you're dead and done. No, we, we give ourselves a shoulder. We give ourselves some room. We have some margin. It's how we fill up our cups, right? We fill up a glass, and we leave ourselves a little bit of margin. We'll probably fill it up like this. That way, when we walk around, we're not worried about spilling anything, right? Because we know we're going to bump into things. We know it's not going to stay perfectly level, and, and that's okay because we left some space. Imagine if we filled up our glass all the way to the top. Wait, 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 I got it, I got it. Nobody breathe. Are any of you living your life like this 
during the month of November and December. We can do this. Just everybody take a deep breath. We've got a few Thanksgivings we've got to plan. By few, I mean 16 we have to be at. We have kids, so everybody has their own Thanksgiving party at school in the morning and then the program at night where they sing songs that we've never heard of before and never care about. But we have to be there. Our kids will not survive if we're not there. And then we have to go to parents' house and we have to start getting Christmas planned and we have to get everything done. And, oh boy, is this really how you want to spend your days? <laughs> you want to spend your days tiptoeing around because you have no room for anything else. Leave yourself some margin. Leave yourself enough margin so that you stay sane and stay healthy. Wait, wait, I'm not done. I still have 53 seconds. I've intentionally left you 50 seconds of margin this morning. Here's what I want you to do. Hopefully you got something to write on or pull out a phone. I want you to find, in 40-ish seconds, something that you could tweak real quick. The disciples made one change to how they did the early church, and it was a game changer. They handed off some responsibility so they could refocus their attention. What's one change you need to make? How do you create some margin? Go. Time's up. For some of you, that was a very short 30 seconds. For some of you, it's the longest 30 seconds of your life. <laughs> You've got to be willing to refocus your attention, which is going to require you to hand over some responsibilities. Be okay with okay. And begin planning ahead so that you have margin in your life. Things are going to happen. Problems are going to continue to bubble up. Do you have margin for God to show up in your life? When you have margin, you'll notice life becomes a little bit richer. It's not just surviving anymore, but you begin to thrive in your life. But if you want margin, you have to create it. I promise it does not magically appear. So, put most of your energy where you're most effective. As you hand over responsibilities and you refocus your attention, be okay with okay. Plan ahead so that you can have some margin. And that life is not about surviving, but it becomes a thriving, full, abundant life. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you'll stand uh, right where you're at. In this next moment, I'm going ha- to read something to you. And I, I don't want you to look on the screen. I don't want you to... To look at somebody around you, I want you to put everything else out of sight, out of mind, and I just want your attention focused on what I'm about to read. Because again, we cannot add any more time. When the countdown is done, it is done. And at the end of the day, that countdown will hit zero. And oh, I wish I could have more time. I wish I got more of this done. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. But there's a countdown in every single one of our lives, every single day. How are we using those moments? Let me read this. Close your eyes with me so you can focus on just the words that I'm reading out of Psalm 46. 
God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. The Lord Almighty is with us. Come and see what the Lord has done, but be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. Jesus, thank you so much for, for that statement, that you are with us, that we are not meant to go through life alone. We should not live in isolation, but we invite people into our lives as we have invited you into our heart. And that as you are with us, so is a group of people around us. That there's much to do, much good that needs to be done, but we don't have the time and we don't even have the capabilities. We are at our lid, we are at our limits. So God, instead of the feelings of pressure and stress and anxiety and worry, may we feel hope because you live with us in that space between. Help us to put our attention where it needs to be, to pay attention to where our attention goes. And may you have our undivided attention in this moment. Fill us up, refresh us, rejuvenate us as we recognize that you are with us. In Jesus' name.